You're listening to the SLT Podcast, a resource to encourage and equip Liberty Christian School families for a Christ-centered life. Welcome back to the SLT Podcast. (laughs) We're having a little too much fun today. I'm Sam. I'm Alex. I'm Courtney. And I'm Taylor. Let's try that again. (laughs) (laughs) No, we failed at the intro. This is Uh, perfect. This is perfect. (laughs) Please do not edit any of this out. Okay. For real. We got this. We got this. I'm Sam. I'm Alex. (laughs) (laughs) He's doing it on purpose, so somebody else has to do it. I'm Courtney. I'm Taylor. And we are the Spiritual Life team here at Liberty Christian School. So our topic today is going to be how to handle failure and success. So we're going to be talking about standards of success in different areas of students' lives and our lives. But before we get into that, do you guys want to play a game? Sure. Question. Did the game just start? (laughs) Have you heard of the question game? No, I'm just kidding. We're not playing yet. The question game goes a little like this. So when I say go, you can only use questions. You can only respond to questions. And if you ever respond with not a question, you are out. And also, because you guys are pretty sharp, we have to add a couple rules. If you are stumped for three seconds, you're out. And no one word question. So you can't do the two-year-old thing and just keep asking why. This Why? Is a little different. Why? And you can't play. repeat questions either. Correct. This game gives me serious anxiety. Are you guys ready? My heart is racing so fast. As it should be. Three, <laughs> two, one, go. You guys ready for this podcast? Wait, is it my turn? How many toes do you have? <laughs> do you think dinosaurs had dreams? What does that have to do with what we're talking about? I think that's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> <the answer to. laughs> Taylor. Wow, that was so sweet the way that you out. got out, though. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good question. That's, you that's now, a good question, and I am now eliminated. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Courtney, Alex, and Sam remain. Three, two, one, go. What do you think about Taylor getting out so quick? Do you like jelly beans? Am I playing this game right? Are you? Is she? How many dolphins are in the ocean? Why would you ask that question? Why are we here? Why haven't you painted something with your beard? Ah! And... <laughs> <laughs> Got her. Okay, in case y'all missed it, Sam painted a dolphin with his beard. Don't judge until you've painted something with your beard. Okay. (laughs) It's the final countdown. Okay. You can can look at other people. It won't matter. It won't matter. You will lose. I will lose. I will break you. Yeah. Three, two, one, go. Okay, Estel. Did we start yet? Esta bien? What time is it? (laughs) <laughs> Porque yo hablo en español y no tú. Why are you speaking in really terrible broken Spanish? Why are you not correcting me? Your Spanish is disturbing to me? <laughs> that is not a question, <laughs> but it is Well, true. it's true. It's, very it's true. disturbing. <laughs> My español is terrible. Lo siento. Muy horrible. Tú es muy guapo. Gracias. That game was easy to fail at. Yeah. Yeah, it was. So before we talk about failure and defining it and going through it, I really just wanted to answer the question of why are we talking about failure? And so here at Liberty Christian, we go to a school uh, that's incredibly successful. Uh, You look at Liberty Christian, you come in and you are really confronted immediately 
with how many past championships we've won, uh, how many banners are up on the wall, uh, whether that's fine arts or athletics or academics, whatever it is, like our children, our faculty are amazing. And because of the hard work that they put in, uh, a lot of victories have come from that. And so we're a very successful school. Um, I know that we've won the Henderson Cup multiple times, um, which is the top Christian school in Texas. And so in a school driven and achieving uh, success so often, uh, we just wanted to talk about failure. And so what does it mean to fail? And the reason why we want to talk about it is because at some point in our life, all of us will fail. It's not, a, it's not a question of if, it's just when. And how are we going to respond to that, uh, potentially rise above that or let that overwhelm us and sink us into a place where we don't want to be? Um, it can also become a area of defining who we are and we don't want that. And so that's why we wanted to talk about failure because we think it's a really important topic and it's something that we can expect. Like we can expect that we're all going to experience failure because we live in a broken world and we're sinful people. So it's a good topic to just try on and figure out how to navigate through that well in knowing that it's going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. And so I have a question. What does the world say about success and failure? <laughs> success, good, failure, bad. <laughs> I don't think the world would say this, but the world definitely lives like this. Like your, your identity is tied to your accolades. Mm-hmm. Um, your identity is tied to what school you graduated from. Your, your, your identity is tied to um, how many zeros are at the end of your check. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, your identity can really easily be tied to how many successful people you know. Um, and so I think uh, a lot of what we're experiencing in our culture now is just a definition of success um, it's probably not lining up with what the Bible's talking about. Yeah. I think too, for failure that the world would either completely dwell in it and stay there and maybe go toward a state of depression or not feeling worth an identity. Like Alex was just saying in that, or the opposite of that and completely try to bury like, Oh no, I'm not going to fail. I'm going to succeed. This is just a minor bump in the road. And even shame can result from that. So I think it's trying to either gloss over any failure or really camp out in that failure. For sure. I think the world does not see failure as an opportunity. It sees it as an ending. Mm -hmm. It sees it as a, well, that's that. And it's much more depressing in that way. And I've definitely bought into the world's way uh, of defining success and failure. Like I can't even lose like, a round of Candy Crush without wanting to throw my phone out the window and pretend like I never played the game because I don't want to admit to people that I'm not that good at it. I think there's counseling for that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think it's funny because little things like that kind of reveal the heart of us, like how much we hate failure, right? And so um, whenever my son beats me at Super Smash Brothers, I just pretend that I let him. And it's not true. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good dad tip. <laughs> really better than me. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think, I think the mentality of being what we call a sore loser comes from the worldly mentality around failure. Um, man, like it can crush people. It crushes their ambition and their drive and their motivation. And sometimes it could take years of therapy or counseling mm-hmm. before they're willing to, to try again. So specifically about liberty, kind of the measures of success here at this culture is we want our children to pursue excellence. It's one of the warrior ways that we have here. We want them to work at things with all their might as to the Lord and not for people. And that includes yourself. 
Uh, that includes not working as this to yourself uh, to avoid failure or to look like you're successful to other people. Um, but we want our children to be driven to excellence because that pleases the Lord. Um, it was a commandment given to Adam uh, to subdue the earth and to cultivate it and cause it to flourish. And so we have this drive about us to accomplish. That's a good thing, right? Like work was instituted before the fall. Um, work is not the result of sin. Work is a result of creation and God's plan. And so we're created to work. Um, we have an adversity to failure and to not to fail. And so here at Liberty, um, we want our kids to have that drive, but we do not want them to be defined by their failure. And so students, if you're listening to this, um, your accomplishments are not tied to your worth. Mm-hmm. Even if you fail at something, it does not make you less. It does not make you any less valuable um, or significant. And so just know that your worth is not tied to your successes or to your failures. And that's honestly the joy of our job, the four of us, that we get to have that relational position with students and we aren't the ones grading them or coaching them or whatever it is. So we get to sit with them in that failure and remind them of Mm -hmm. the truth of, hey, this does not define you. Your identity is not in this. I don't see you through this lens and point them back to the Lord in it. So it's, I think that's just one of the sweetest opportunities when I have girls in my office who are walking through those seasons. Yeah. So what, what do you guys think that the Bible says about failure and growth? Maybe what are some examples comes to y'all's mind about that? When I think failure and growth in the scriptures, I think humility. Um, you know, it, it's, I think if you asked people, most people would say, yeah, humility is super important, but we don't live that way. And I'll tell on myself, I don't live that way. <laughs> humility is not something that comes natural to me. Uh, it cuts against the grain of my broken human nature. Um, and so any lessons of humility are always painful. They're always slow and they're always hard, they're really, really difficult. And, um, and yeah, when you look at scripture, it's pretty clear, like God resists the proud, but uplifts the humble. So I think uh, more than just failure and success, I think those are just two things that reveal a lack or a, a having of humility. I think too of, um, I'm sure a lot of our students can relate to this and have probably been taught this chapter of scripture this way, but of Hebrews 11 in the hall of fame of faith, as it is called often. And even there, we see that these heroes of the faith who are in this chapter are being recognized for their faith, but often we forget about their failures. So we remember just how incredible God used Abraham and Moses and different people that we can get into, but we forget that we see them fail time and time and time again, and God continues to give them grace and lead them through those things. And by faith, they continue to walk alongside him. And so I think it's good to be reminded that a lot of the people that we admire from scripture also were walking through extreme failures of, I mean, David had an affair and killed someone, (laughs) had someone killed so that he could be with that person. And he experienced consequences because of that failure, but he's also known in scripture as a man after God's own heart. So we just see both of those sides. Yeah. And to your example, uh, Hebrews 11, most of the people in there didn't even get to see the success Mm -hmm. that they were called to, uh, to perform that, that they were called to live toward. 
Uh, so that's also super interesting. So obviously the Bible seems to have a different definition of success than our current culture does. And one thing that I would like to encourage all the listeners who are out there, especially if you uh, maybe have done some things in your past or may have failed in certain ways that you wish you hadn't. And so you might have that question of, well, how could the Lord use me after what I've been through of what I've done or failed at, or it's just past my time. I had this chance and I blew it. Uh, what, what we see in here, especially with Abraham, that Abraham was well into his years, over 80 years old, whenever the Lord called him. And so if you think it is beyond your time to be used by God, um, then it's not true. Uh, because we see biblical evidence of God using people whom we would write off to say, oh, they're past their prime. You don't know what they've done in their past. We can never use them. God loves to use those people. Mm -hmm. And so just to be encouraged by that. Yeah. I think to look at a biblical standard of failure, you have to look at the biblical standard of success, which is very countercultural to the world where we are success driven by any means necessary, make as few sacrifices as possible as how to achieve success. And yet the biblical standard says it's surrender is the key to success. Mm -hmm. The more you're surrendering to God, yeah. the more that he is able to have you succeed in achieving his plan, which is spoilers always going to be better than yours. Yeah. yeah. And I think you're, you're tapping into something there that's, um, deeply, deeply within our design and also deeply theological the surrender. That, I think that's super key. I think you're right, Sam. Um, it, it's clear that in scripture, God blesses a lot of people and a lot of things, but he's only building one thing, his kingdom. <laughs> and so we will never actually find success that matters to God outside of what he's trying to do. So when we try to find success um, outside of that design, it's not even, it's not really success. Even, even if we do get everything that our heart desires, um, even if we do achieve everything that's on our lists, is it really success if it, it's not within what God's trying to build? Mm -hmm. I love what y'all are saying. And for me, my word for 2020 is faithfulness for that exact reason. Our pastor recently said that Faithfulness is not defined by outward success, but inward surrender. And that is just, I mean, every day that has been on my mind of the outward success of our ministry does not define our faithfulness to the Lord and the outward success of our businesses and our families and where our kids are at or what our grades look like does not define faithfulness to the Lord, but instead it's inward surrender. And that takes vulnerability of being able to recognize our failures and come before the Lord in the humility that y'all are talking about. And instead base that off of, okay, the best thing I can do for my ministry, for my job, for my leadership in this family, whatever that is, is my personal relationship with the Lord and surrendering to him. And that's where success is going to be that's found. That's so good. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. So uh, the question that, that we also have going forward is how do you get better at failing well? And so how do we overcome failure? Right. So it's a question of failing well is... How do we create a mentality in ourselves and hopefully instill it in our children and our students of how do you see failure as an opportunity rather than a discouragement and just say, well, I guess I'm just not meant for this. What is the step that you can take towards seeing that as, okay, I'm going to move on. How do you get there? The first step there would be to acknowledge that you're not perfect and yet you're not omnipotent. A lot of our problems um, happen, I think, we're, we don't, we're not even trying to do this, but they happen 
when we are trying to step into qualities that only God possesses, we're trying to step into omnipotence. Well, he's the only one that's omnipotent. We're trying to step into omniscience. Well, he's the only one that's omniscient. And um, I don't think anybody sits there and says, oh, I want to try to be like God today. Uh, But when we overvalue and we over push ourselves, what we're saying is, I'm trying to be like God today. Um, So for a lot of us, and I'll speak of myself, a lot of this stuff that we're talking about today hits close to home because I do this because there are days where my flesh has convinced me not to trust God and to step into areas that only he is qualified to step into. Yeah. I mean, speaking to that, two very easy things remind us that we're not God. We need sleep and we need food. Uh, We're not Mm self-sustaining. We can't create our bodies to keep functioning uh, without something else helping us and a daily reminder that you need sleep. Yeah, you never outgrow the snack in a nap. You just convince ourselves. That's why we have snack time here. (laughs) That's true, we do. Um, I think another step towards creating a healthier mindset of failure and success is to not set goals that are too big. I mean, we've all heard the phrase, take baby steps. Um, You set manageable goals. I think in other areas of health, don't just decide immediately, oh man, I'm only gonna ever eat healthy food ever again and I'm gonna run two miles every single day. You're gonna burn out immediately. (laughs) That's not going to last long if you're going from zero to 100 that quick. But we want our students to have big dreams. That's something we want to encourage in them is to see that they're serving and being poured into by an unlimited God with unlimited potential. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we have unlimited potential. And so I just think it's important when we're talking to our kids that we be careful when we use phrases like changing the world because we can't bear that burden. God doesn't ask us to bear that burden. In fact, he shows us that the only way to change the world, to make it a better place, to be a light in a dark, broken world, and we have to accept that it is dark and it is broken because of sin, is to serve him and honor him and be surrendered to his plan for our our lives and not necessarily our plans to go out and change the world. And so it's taking small steps of saying, how can I serve God today? What does the Lord have in his plan for me today? And how can I fulfill that even if it's not necessarily what I imagined. That's so good. I actually pulled a quote from a book called Unseen by Sarah Haggerty, and it's honestly one of the best books I've ever read because it talks about like what is the everyday moments and how does God view those and where do you find success in those things? And one of the things that she wrote, she said, maybe you do the same. We scout our days, you and me, for these stories that make it all worth it. We're forever on the lookout for new ways to infuse our otherwise mundane lives with measurable impact. We troll for tiny signs that what we're doing matters, a mark on the earth, whether in the glowing successes of our children or the business promotion or the ministry we launched. Parenting feels most like it's worth it when we see our children thrive and the business or ministry seems to most warrant our outpouring when it's growing. But what if our real mark on earth was meant to reverberate in heaven? What if there is a possibility for impact, impacting God's heart with our hidden devotion to him that far supersedes these this made it all worth it moments? The mundane hours can outweigh the one this made it all worth it moment in a week if we are meeting God and pouring ourselves out at his feet there. And I just think this is a beautiful picture of showing this through a lens for your kids and for us as staff members. How are we modeling this to our students? 
students and students, how do you view the everyday moments of success? And is it in the one moment where you're like, okay, this is this is worth it. This is worth the outpouring that I'm doing in this thing. Or is it because I am daily at the feet of Jesus Christ and know that he is seeing the unseen things that God counts as worthy. And again, that goes back to the faithfulness of we are being faithful in those things. And so while it might not look like it is changing the world in a huge way that God is going to use it to further his kingdom, which is the whole point of all of it. And that's what's reverberating in heaven is what she was saying. And I think an underlying question to tie into what you guys are saying is, well, where does your value come from? Because there can also be a moment where failure can be the best thing that could ever happen to us. That the Lord can use failure to reveal things in us that we desperately need. Right. And so it would be a kindness of the Lord for you to fail in something that has become an idol that we are now serving and seeking and getting our validation and value from. Yeah. And so sometimes the Lord's kindness to us could seem like heartbreak. Um, but it's the Lord opening our hands to something that we've been tightly grasping to say, Lord, if you take this away from me, you can't take this. This is who I am. This is where all of my stock comes from. But the Lord's saying, no, your value comes from me and the love that I have for you. Mm. And so it's Lord's kindness to peel away our fingers that we would let go of these things. Yeah, that's really good because you're going to have to take that, the, these these moments, and engage your your kids in failure. And so that becomes... Uh, a thing that we naturally have to do as parents. We're going to have to have these conversations and be intentional about engaging our children in failure and training them to go with what uh, God has taught us to respond to, how God has taught us to respond to failure and not the world's way of uh, responding to failure. So uh, with that, let's ask the question, how do we engage our kids in failure? Yeah, Alex, I think that's a great question. And I have three little boys um, who are learning and growing and trying new things. And really just an encouragement to parents out there too, is that it's okay for our kids to fail. Like, Mm -hmm. honestly, I want my kids to fail often now, whenever they're five and six years old. Like, I don't want the first time where they fail to be when they're 18 and they're in college by themselves. And so that means that I have to let them fail. Um, Like, I know we have these things of like reading or math homework that they take home. And I have this tendency whenever I'm going through with them to be like, oh, it's actually that one. But I have to let them choose the right answer. I have to let them fail in that because that's how they're going to grow. They don't like it. They don't like to fail, but I have to let them do that. And also another thing that I've noticed was whenever my boys do fail is that they know it. I don't have to remind them of their failure. I don't have to give my shame upon them or share my disappointment in them. They have enough. They are carrying that shame and disappointment already. And so biblically, what does it look like in how to engage our kids in failure? And I would just love to share uh, this passage with us because it's encouraging for me and also convicting because I want to be a father who does this also. And so this story is famously called the prodigal son. And it's about this son who takes his inheritance early, essentially telling the father, I would rather have your money than you. So give me your money and I want to leave. And so he leaves, takes the money, he spends it all on unwise things, and he gets into a, into a stage of failure, 
of he's in this place of realization that, oh man, it would be better to be back with my father. Maybe he'll take me back as a servant if I beg him enough. And so he's practicing going back. He's practicing in his mind. If I just tell him this, maybe he'll take me back. But I just want to want to share it here. It's Luke 15, verse 21 through 24. And it says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. And so he gets there and the father cuts him off. He doesn't remind him like, yeah, you screwed up, son. Maybe I'll take you back. No, he cuts him off. And he says, quick, bring me your best robe and put a ring on his finger. And this ring, this ring would signify that this is my son. He has authority in my family. He is mine. And so he is reminding him of who he is. And he's not reminding him of what he has done. Uh, because the father's love for this child is not based upon this kid's accomplishments, but it's because it's his boy and he loves him. And that's also what the Lord does for us, that he doesn't remind us of our shame and of our sin, that he has cast him as far as the East is from the West. And that he reminds us who we are, which is a child of God. And so our aim as parents is to impart wisdom and courage, even amongst failure. I think that's so good. And I think to you just we've seen this a lot in families that are just so healthy at Liberty Christian is that they're the families that are giving their kids room to fail and they're giving them a safe place to fail. And that's not without their children understanding that there are consequences sometimes to failure, that sometimes when you make a bad decision, that there's going to be consequences within that, but it doesn't mean that it's not a safe place to fail and to have people around you that um, help you grow and find the wisdom and courage that Taylor is talking about. And one of our teachers, Mr. Hartzler has influenced the spiritual life of years and years of graduates at Liberty Christian and a quote that he has on his wall that students continue to refer back to is it says, let my people think this is a safe place to struggle. And I think that that's our prayer and our hope that students would feel that way, regardless of which classroom that they walk into when they get into the car to go home at the end of school, that they know, Hey, this is a safe place to struggle regardless of how old they are. And so that's the mindset in which they are becoming an adult. So they aren't just dwelling in that shame or, you know, glossing over the failure. For those who are listening to the podcast and might be thinking, this is great and I, and I want to be able to evaluate, you know, failures and successes in my life and also in the life of our family and with my kids, where do I start? Yeah, so Liberty actually has created a really cool resource for what we call expected outcomes. And so in our Warrior Way framework that we've developed, there is a spiritual life philosophy And there's actually a list of some expected student outcomes of what you as a parent can expect if your student attends and graduates Liberty Christian, what can you expect their spiritual life to be or what has been invested in them? And so I'm going to read that list, which is students should recognize God as their ultimate source of truth, stand firm in their faith, understand that their identity is in Christ, build community by valuing others above themselves and serve others locally and globally. And you see already from that list, 
it's not so much about achieving these certain goals, but giving yourself that room to fulfill God's goals. So we've hoped that this conversation has been helpful to engage with our kids and with our family on how to grow in this better um, and seeing what the Bible says about failure and what success really is. Um, but we would like to end today uh, by talking about what is your most embarrassing fail? And I think since I lost the game earlier and I have one in mind, I should go first. You got it. Um, and so in college, I was a part of this big camp retreat that you would take incoming freshmen to this place. And so I was a counselor that year. And so we ride buses to go to this camp. And so on the bus, all the counselors uh, were engaging with freshmen and we're just seeing like, hey, what's your name? Are you from? What's your major? All those things. And then we would rotate. We would change seats throughout the bus ride. And so it came to this point where I was talking to this freshman girl who was coming in and her major was the same as mine. I was like, oh, that's awesome. And so I hold up my hand to give her a high five and she does not respond to my high five. Oh no. And I'm looking at her and she's looking at me and I put my hand down and I just kind of go about my business. And later on, I'm telling this story to the other counselors like, oh yeah, how was your experience? Like, oh yeah, it was great. But there's one girl, it's like, I tried to give her a high five and she just totally flat out rejected that high five. Ouch. Oh, Taylor. And they're like, and they just all start laughing at me. And I'm like, what? And like, dude, she's blind. No, I knew it was going to be something. Taylor, go away. (laughs) (laughs) Never come back. Taylor, no. I was like, wait, how did she was like, it was like, yeah. Did you not see the blind seeing eye dog that was on the bus? And I said, no, I figured I would have saw that. But yeah, so I tried to high five a blind girl on the bus. That was one of my most embarrassing fail moments for sure. Wow. Okay, so I have to say I'm struggling thinking of my most embarrassing fail. And when I said that, the guys then responded and said that all of my stories are embarrassing things. Mm -hmm. True. (laughs) So clearly we have a good relationship. (laughs) Do we? Okay, so I have been trying to think of a Liberty Christian embarrassing fail since I've been here. And really, once I started thinking about that, it was easy because it was like my uh, third day. And it was the day we were leaving for wilderness. So if you didn't know, Alex and I got here, worked here for three days, and then went on the wilderness trip. So thank you, Taylor Morgan. Um, (laughs) But we get here and I have my big backpack on. I'm walking with Mrs. Lytle and we walk past this group and this girl is just very energetically greeting me and being like, hey, we're so glad you're here. Get excited for wilderness, all of these things. And I was like, wow, these students are just so nice. And I keep walking with Mrs. Lytle and she looks at me and goes, you know, she thought you were an eighth grader, right? (laughs) And I said, nope. Sure didn't. And I thought to myself, you know, when I looked in the mirror this morning, I I didn't think I looked like an adult, you know, no makeup on, all this stuff. But I didn't think that I looked like an eighth grader. So one of the senior leaders thought that I was an eighth grader because she didn't recognize me <laughs> and was welcoming me. I'd say that was one of my uh, fails. Oof. Yeah. When I don't wear makeup, I also look like an atheist. Yeah. Yeah. For yeah. some reason, that never happens to me. <laughs> never confused. The beard probably throws them off. <laughs> oh, Lord. So my story comes back from when I was a youth pastor a few years ago. Um, I was doing announcements after my message at the end of a successful night of youth ministry. And so during this time, my wife um, was helping me out. She was a volunteer in our youth ministry. And so she was always there, always helping. We love and you, so. Dad. I do love her. 
Um, so she's there, she's helping out. And so I was trying to tell my students to plan for certain days. And I think I was setting up a weekly Bible study or something. And I was like, make sure to come on this Bible study on this day and this day. But this was in May and the dates got to, I just had, you know, had a little, little brain lapse. Couldn't, couldn't think of it. So I am asking the students, wait, is there, is there May 31st? And really loudly, my wife says, that's our anniversary. Oh no. Yeah. Oh no. So, my wedding anniversary is on May 31st. And you were asking if there was a May 31st? Yeah. So my students thought this was hilarious. And unfortunately, everything I had said up to that point, they completely forgot because they were now busy Naturally. laughing at me. And so speaking of overcoming failure, I can now tell this story, even though my wife listens to this podcast. Sorry, Jen, I love you. And so yeah, May 31st is a real day. <laughs> And we all remember that it's the Dow's anniversary. Yeah. It's good. It's real. Okay, here's my embarrassing fail. This is about six years ago. I was uh, preaching a sermon to the youths, and uh, we would do an early morning uh, youth service on Sundays. And so naturally, you have a lot of sleeping teenagers throughout the service. And so I enjoyed just calling them out because I thought it was funny to see their, like, you know, super surprised looks on their faces when, you know, the guy on stage calls you out. Uh, so it turned into a little bit of a game for me, finding different clever ways to call people out. Well, this one time in service, I noticed this girl trying to be like, her friends trying to desperately wake her up before I notice her, but I noticed her. And so, you know, I made like a dumb joke. I don't even remember the joke, something like, Is my sermon that boring? Um, and everybody laughed and her friend yells, she passed out and I don't know what to do. No. <laughs> she was not sleeping. <laughs> she needed medical attention. Oh. And I proceeded to call her out for it. Apparently, she just had low blood sugar. <laughs> oh. Passed out because I don't know why, but did, she was fine. Did the paramedics think your sermon was boring? <laughs> <laughs> One actually became a believer. <laughs> hey! <laughs> and that's how you turn failure into success. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on the SLT Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to contact us at spirituallife at mylcs.com.